Well, today we finish this letter, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, and and it's a, a section where we're going to see Paul, uh, he prays for the church, and then he asks for prayer, and then after that, he kind of gets into a few little commands that he has for the church, man, because he really wants uh, the people to experience this amazing God, you know, to the fullest extent. And uh, and we're going to see, in essence, that God wants all of us. He wants, like, all of you. You know, some people, uh, and, you know, they just, they just, like, serve the Lord on Sundays. You know, they just serve the Lord on Sunday mornings. They go to church service and and then kind of the rest of the week, they got their guard down or they're not really walking in the spirit. And if that's you today, I just want you to know that God is calling you higher. God wants all of you. He wants all your days. He wants all your ways. He wants all your thoughts. He wants to own all your words, all your decisions, all your deeds. God wants all of you. And the cool thing is, is that when you, get, when you give all of yourself to God, you will get all of God. Hudson Taylor called it the exchanged life. You know, and you give your life to the Lord and He gives His life to you. And I tell you what, you know, that's, that's what we need and that's what God is able to do. And so we're going to see God wants all of me, but He wants all of you too. And by that I mean every single person here and every single person on this planet. The Bible says that God desires all men to be saved. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. And we're going to see that in our study today. Look at verse 20, uh, 23. He, he says, and this is a prayer. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. And brethren, pray for us. That's Paul saying, God, may you, may you work a sanctifying work in the people so that they would give all of themselves to you. But then look what he says in verse 26. Greet some of the brethren. No, I'm just joking. He doesn't say that, right? He said, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to some of the holy brethren. No, and there it is again, huh? It's all. I want I want you to greet all the brethren, all of them. I want you to read this to all the, the brethren. And then he says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And so we're gonna see that today. You know, and it begins with prayer. And you guys know the power of prayer, don't you? I mean I hope you do. If you don't, man you need to find out the, the power of prayer. James says sometimes you don't have because you don't ask. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, what, what are you lacking in your life? You know, seriously. You just, maybe it's because you just haven't asked. You haven't asked the Lord for, you know, the, the power of the Holy Spirit over your tongue. Or, or you haven't asked the Lord for that, you know, provision. Or, or maybe even... A companion. I don't know, but you you know, you bring it to the Lord and you wait on Him. And Paul right here, he's just praying for them. He says, uh, this is a prayer. Now may, may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. I pray you would know the power of prayer. Prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Ian Bounds uh, said that our family and flock are much less likely to unravel 
if we hem them in with prayer. Pray for this congregation. Pray for the people. Pray for your family. Pray for this country. You know, this country has gone a a long way off. You know, yesterday I was blessed to go to a a graduation for one of the guys that graduated from uh, Rio Hondo's uh, Fire Academy. And it was a blessing for me to go and just to see the way they opened it up with an invocation and they prayed in Jesus' name. And they gave a message and they prayed. I mean, and they gave the Bible, man. And they shared, you know, Philippians 4.13 and, you know, I mean, some of the staple scriptures in the book of James. I mean, they were sharing. And then at the very end, it was so cool to see uh, the, the, the young man that, that we went to go uh, just uh, support how he prayed in Jesus' name. And, and what the Lord, I mean, obviously, the, the truth is, is that our country at one time, they served the Lord. Our country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. I mean, you can see that everywhere, but, you know, we've gone so far. But what does God say? In Second Chronicles seven fourteen, My people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, pray. Then God said, I will heal the land. You know, p- prayer will change families. Prayer will change flocks. Prayer can change a nation. I pray that you haven't given up on prayer. Right here we see Paul praying for the people, and it's just beautiful. It's the third time we have the picture of prayer from Paul. If you go back to chapter 1, in verse 2, he said, We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. I mean, he's just praying for these people. You see it again in chapter 3, in verses 11 through 13, just praying for the people. And then again here as he closes the book. I mean, he it's kind of cool, just praying, just praying, just writing, and then bursting out in prayer. It's just beautiful to see. And he basically prays for two things. Number one, he prays for their sanctification. And number two, he prays for their their protection or their preservation. And that's a good prayer. You know, you don't know what to pray for your kids. You don't know how to pray for the congregation. Or you don't know what to pray maybe even for your pastor. You know, pray these things. Pray, God, that you would sanctify him completely, totally. That all of him would be out of the world. Because that's what the church is. It's, called, it's a called out. We're called out. We're called out of the world. We're in the world but we're not of the world anymore. And our, our life should reflect that. You know, pray for a sanctification and pray for a, a preservation because that's one thing that I've seen in the world because in a lot of people that come to church and they're serving the Lord for a long time and they're sometimes being used in the ministry and it doesn't matter what position they have. They can, you know, quote, the highest position that, that's available. It doesn't mean that they're still going to be serving the Lord tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. I've seen that over the years. You know, we have to abide in the Lord. We have to continue to be coming to church. We have to be continue to be open to the Lord and, you know, get rid of the sin and hold on to Jesus Christ. We can't stop. We can't drift away. But we got to pray. And, and God, God will do that work. God will sanctify your children. Because a lot of times parents, they don't know what to do with their kids. Their kids are not serving the Lord the way that they should. And they're pulling their hair hair out. And the Bible talks about them being at wit's end. And that's a good place to be. (laughs) Because you guys know what wit's end means, right? 
It means that you don't have all your, you can't do your manipulating anymore, your plans anymore, your schemes anymore, your ways anymore. You've got no, no other answers other than to pray for them. But please understand that that's the best thing you can do for them. I believe the, the, the one thing God wants us to do with our kids is to teach them. And so you teach them the word. But you want to know what's even more powerful than that? Be an example to them. So you're not just a talking word, you're a living word. Remember how I always tell you guys, you don't want to just be a talky-talky, you want to be a walky-talky, right? And so you teach them, but you got to live it. Because when you live it, you give them an example of how it lives out in life. And not only that, you give weight to your words. Because if you're telling your kids to live one way and you're living the other way, you're, you're messing up the message, you're, you're making it even worse. So the best thing you can do is, is, yeah, you want to teach them and you want to live it, but one of the best thing you can do? Pray for them. That's the best thing you can do. And a lot of times people don't do that with their kids. They treat prayer like their spare tire and not their steering wheel. That's what Corey Tanboon said. Let it begin with prayer. And you're on your face and you're lifting up your kids or whoever it might be to the Lord. You're lifting up this church right here to the Lord and really praying that God would sanctify them. Maybe they're saved. And a lot of times there's a lot of Christians, they're, they're saved and, and when they die, they're going to go to heaven. But they never really lived their life for the Lord. They're saved by the skin of their teeth. A saved soul and a wasted life. Have you ever heard that? I believe that's, that's possible. But when you see that in your kids and you're like, well, I know they believe in Jesus and I know they trust in Jesus. And, you know, there's that part of you that just has that assurance of their salvation. But they're not they're not really like full bore gung ho on fire for the Lord the way that you just want them to be so much because you you love them so much. God says, pray for them. That's what Paul was doing. He was praying for them. I pray, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And, and it's, it's going to be the Lord that does the work. He's the God of peace. And I like the way that he mentions that right here. And it's, there's probably a, a few reasons for that. But, you know, um, I, I know that uh, being labeled as the God of peace, we know that he himself is our peace. You know, when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you trust in Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, we're not talking about a religion here because it's not. We don't want that. Well, we, we long for a relationship with God. But it's got to be a relationship that's based on His work on the cross, not my work. I'll never be good enough to establish a relationship with God on my own righteousness. All of us have sinned. Everyone here, we fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. If we give our, our, our life to Christ, we place our faith in Him, then you know what? The Bible says that we're saved. And then at that point, God's no longer our enemy. God's our friend. We make peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that God's not your enemy? I tell you what, because if you got in a fight with God, I have a feeling he'd win, man. The wrath of God abides on those who don't know him. But when you give your life to Christ, then all of a sudden you make peace with God. But not only that, when you give your heart to him, when you we're talking about right here, you know, body, soul, and spirit completely wholly his, 
then you're going to have the peace not just with God, but of God. You know, some people, they're freaking out. Some people, they're worrying, and they're, and they're running about like much afraid. This, not much afraid. Um, Chicken Little. Chicken Little, sorry. <laughs> that one's a good one, too. Much afraid. But um, Chicken Little, remember, the sky is falling. The sky is falling, remember? The sky is not falling. I mean, Jesus is coming, but... <laughs> You know, God's on the throne and he's in full control. Don't have to worry. Pray, you know, and you pray for your kids and you pray for this congregation and you pray for this city and you pray for this country and you pray for Cambodia and you pray for this world. And you don't have to be afraid because he's the God of peace. You know, the Bible talks about that and, and, and Paul would often pray that over the people, he prayed it in Romans fifteen thirty three. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I mean, because as a leader and as a brother, as a friend, it, it does, you know, kind of like, man, don't you want people to have peace? And the devil walks about and he torments people. And we're like, man, we don't want you to have that. We want you to exalt God and we want you to enjoy God. We want you to get your rest. We want you to know the Lord's on the throne. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 is also a prayer that's similar to this. It's a prayer again. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. I I love that same prayer. The God of peace, may he continue to work in your life, right? Make you complete. Make you the man of God that you're called to be. You know, when the Lord looks at us, he sees that. But a lot of times what ends up happening when we get sidetracked, you know, we need to be obedient. I I like Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. This is what Paul said. He said, the things you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. So I, I know a lot of you here would acknowledge the fact that you know the Lord, but a lot of times what happens is it's not automatic. You don't have peace. And you're like, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't have peace. Why? Because we have a part in that peace. We have to do the things that we've been shown in the Word. It's not automatic. We must believe and we must receive you know, God's Word We must be hearers and doers. And then it says right here that the God of peace will be with us. Remember that scripture in Isaiah 26, verse 3? It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so you got to stay focused on the Lord and this God of peace. He does such an awesome work. Notice again there in verse 23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, just because you know the Lord today, it doesn't mean you're going to die in Christ. And I say that to you guys because you need to abide in Him. You need to rest in Him. You need to keep walking with the Lord. Paul was praying that and he's confident that God's going to do his part. You know, and, and what God wants is he wants, he wants to sanctify us uh, completely, right? Have you ever been, have you ever had a boyfriend or a girlfriend go out on you? 
You wouldn't raise your hand probably, huh? <laughs> I've told you guys this story many times, man. I had this girl and I was in love with her. In love. As if I knew what love was at the age of 16, right? But I remember seeing her. I went to the mall and I saw her with another guy. And uh, and so, you know, what I did is I, I you know, I probably should have went and beat him up, right? That's probably what I should have done. But, you know, um, I was with my mom, and so I couldn't do that. And so <laughs> I, I called her up later, and I saw you at the mall. She's oh, that was my cousin. And why were you kissing? <laughs> so, you know, they were just holding hands. But, you know, I mean, just to have that, the divided heart, that you know, and some people are like that with the Lord, you know, I don't know if you know this, boys and girls, we are the bride of Christ. Did you know that? That's, that goes for the girls and also the boys. Our heart belongs to Him. See, when we get caught up in doing other things, we become adulterers. And God says, no, I won't take that. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll be your bride uh, six days a week. And that's not going to work. I'm sorry. God says, I want all of you. And that's what the Lord's calling us to, man, every area of our life. You know, body, soul, and spirit, he wants us to be sanctified. The word right here means to be set apart, to separate from profane things and dedicate to God, to consecrate to him. The word completely right here, it it, it means complete in all respects. It's the only time it's found in the New Testament, and it's made up of two other Greek words, which mean all and to the end. And that's what God is saying to us. I want all of you all the time. I want all of you to the very end. See, and that's what Paul is praying for them, that they would be sanctified through and through, that they'd be made holy in every way. Because you're not, you're not like everybody else out there. You belong to Jesus Christ. You know, kind of like one guy, he gave an illustration. You have a dress over here, and then you've got a, a wedding dress. It's, they're both dresses, but one is set apart for the marriage. You're the bride of Christ, and you're set apart to Him. Warren Risby said, Sanctify simply means set apart for God's exclusive use. And here's the thing, you guys. When you become a Christian, you become positionally sanctified. That's in Hebrews 10.10. So the moment you give your life to Christ, by position, you're set apart. But now, here's the thing, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it teaches us that it's a lifelong process, that God is continually, what is He doing? He's making us more and more like Jesus. Now, it's going to take time, but don't make it take longer than it's, it's supposed to. Like, for example, the children of Israel, when they went from Egypt to the Promised Land, it was only an 11-day journey. But you know how long it took them? 40 years. You know, and here you are, and how long have you been walking with the Lord? You know, and, and what God is saying is, man, you know what? Let it be an 11-day journey. You know, God is making us uh, more and more like Christ. And it's a beautiful thought, I mean, to think that He would take someone like me, you know, total loser, no hope, no character, no direction, you know, addicted to drugs. I mean, I had nothing to offer. But He would take someone like me, and make me like his son. He would take someone like you. And he's making you like Jesus Christ. Don't you want him to do that in your life? You know, it's been said that, you know, the Lord is, 
is, is going and preparing a place for us, right? Did you guys know that? He's preparing a place for you in heaven. And uh, when you read John 14, it talks about that. So he's preparing a place for us in heaven. So he made the world in six days. Okay, he's been making heaven for 2,000 years. Imagine how good it's going to be, man. And not only that, a lot of people believe that he's making a unique dwelling place for all of us. So, like, what would be your ideal place? You know, my wife would probably like a house made out of chocolate or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I, I don't know, you know, but, you know... But so, but the thing about it is this, that he's not just, um, heaven is not just a place that he prepares for us. Did you know that he's also preparing us for heaven? And that's what the Lord is doing, man. He's sanctifying us. And that's what he's praying. Lord, make these people more and more like Jesus, more and more with the, you know, the heart that has a citizenship for the kingdom of God. Pray that for your kids. Pray that for your church. Pray that for yourself. A lot of times people don't know what to pray, and I just tell them, you know what, just pray Bible. You know, you can put your, your wife's name there. And as husbands, and you're praying for your wife, and I do hope that you pray for her, you know, not just mentioning her, you know, oh, bless, you know, and her name, because I, I don't think, I think as husbands, you should pray longer for your wife. For long times, some of your wives are really bad, and so like you got to pray, <laughs> like a long time, right? I better pray an hour for her, you know. <laughs> but you know, a lot of times we complain about people, but we're not praying for them. And so, anyways, you know, you can put their name there. Now, uh, may the God of peace Himself sanctify uh, my wife completely. And make her whole, spirit, soul, and body. And you can just do that through the prayers of the Bible, man, because you know this is God's will. You know, but, but just so that there would be no, no, you know, secret sins. You know, nothing that they're holding back from the Lord, you know. Um, and, and what it is right here is, is there's three things that he mentions. Uh, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, theologians, they call it trichotomy, okay? And we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Um, before you were a Christian, your body ruled. Before you were a Christian, you had your body and then your soul, and your spirit was dead. Okay, that was before you were a Christian. Before you were a Christian, uh, you were ruled by your body. That's why people sleep around. They go and sleep with boys and girls. It doesn't matter who, because that's what the dogs do. Their body told them to do that. Their body said, I want this. The, the body, it, it lives for self-gratification and self-preservation. That's what happens when you're ruled by your body. I just want to get as much as I can for myself. Body. And then the soul. And the soul is your inner man. We all have a soul even if you're not a Christian, you have a soul. That's why the Bible says, What will a man give in exchange for his soul? And many souls will be cast into hell. See, there's a soul. And it's hard to really figure out like everything about it. The soul has a lot to do with your emotions. Uh, it includes aspects of your mind. Um, some people, they're ruled by their emotions, huh? Uh, I don't know if any of you guys ever do this, but do you ever, um, do you ever get mad? Do you ever get angry? You know, you get angry at someone and then, you know, you freak out. Do you ever do that? And you're, you know, you're, 
I don't know, your anger gets the best of you. Remember, anger, if you put one letter in front of it, D, it's danger. How many guys are in prison right now because they could not control their anger? How many words that have just penetrated to the deepest part of a child's heart are still there echoing in the life of that little soul because of the anger of some parent who allowed their emotions to rule over their life. And we can just go on and on. I mean, it's so crazy. You can go driving down the street and someone cuts you off. And all of a sudden you get anger and you like, I mean, you, you, you want to fight. You know, it's crazy what our emotions can do to us, you know, or even the emotions of you're married and then you meet somebody at work and then they start being real nice to you and then they make you feel good and they start, you know, speaking words of, you know, affirmation over your life. And the next thing you know, you start feel, developing feelings for them and they're not your spouse. You're married, but you're having an emotional affair. That's how it starts. And I can't tell you how many kids have paid the price because mom and dad or mom or dad were not willing to be ruled rather than their emotions, their, their, you know, they, they, they allowed their emotions to rule them instead of their convictions. And so we can't be led by our body, our animal appetites. And by the way, our animal appetites, it can take even the good things like eating and transform it into to gluttony. It can pervert things like sex, which was created for the confines of marriage. And then there you are, before you get married, giving yourself away, giving yourself away. Next thing you know, one day when you do get married, you've marred it so bad. Because that, that act of sex, it was created to be practiced within the confines of marriage because it bonds you together. And so if you're giving yourself to that one and that one and that one and that one, then you have no, no you know, bond left. Now, if you do that before you're a Christian, it's different. The Lord will wash away all your sins. And God is such a good God. But if you're already a Christian and you know better, then you're going to really do some everlasting damage to yourself. We can't be led by our body. We can't be led by our emotions when you become a Christian, there's another part of you that comes alive. It's your spirit. And what your spirit is, is that part of you that is able to commune or communicate with God. And then when you become a Christian, it gets inverted. And now it's the spirit and then the soul and then the body is last. And you're ruled by your spirit, which is in submission to the spirit of God who uses the word of God to lead the people of God. And then when you know the word so well and you begin to develop an understanding of God's ways, you actually develop the mind of God. But you have to be led by the Spirit. So here's the thing that I want to encourage you guys as you're going through life and your days and your Mondays and Tuesdays, always ask yourself, who's leading? You know, is it my body? Is it my emotions? Or is it the Spirit of God? Am I walking in the Spirit? And then when you become a Christian and then you're led by the Spirit, now your, your, your body can actually be good. Did you know that? Your body is neutral. Your body is like money. 
Money is neutral. Your body's neutral. It can be used for good. It can also be used for bad. But when it's under the submission of the Holy Spirit, then your body's actually used for good, right? And then what happens is you come into the church and you start vacuuming, right? <laughs> I'm using my body for you, Lord. <laughs> you know, when, not, when, you, when you're not a Christian and your body is not under the submission of the Holy Spirit... Then you, you guys, if you know what I'm talking about, man, some girl starts walking down the, the way right here and you hear her high heels, right? High heels are going right there. And then you can almost see the silhouette at the side of your eyes and you're like, oh, let me check her out, right? You should, probably shouldn't have, but you check her out and you're like, oh, let me feast on this for a while. Hey, how you doing? Hey, you got a hot girl in aisle number eight. Hey, guys, come and check it out. That's how it was when I used to work at Vaughn's. But don't go to Vons. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it's like that everywhere, right, guys? You know, it's every man's battle. But when the Lord gets a hold of your life, then your eyes, and the Bible says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? When you understand what the Bible says, it says, that's my sister. That's my sister. See, things change. All I'm saying is that God wants all of you. And Paul is praying that God would get all of these people right here, that the God of peace would sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he's confident in the fact that, you know, the one who called them, he would be faithful to do that. And, and this is what I, I've learned in life is that I can't do this on my own strength. But I do have a part to play. And so, you know, it's, it's a combination of, of, of obedience and determination. But it's primarily um, as I depend on the Lord. And the Lord helps me through these things. And that's what prayer is. is you're praying for your kids or you're praying for the congregation. Or you're praying for yourself or you're praying for your loved ones. And what ends up happening, man, is, is God, He does the work. And just in case there's anyone here tonight or today and you're thinking, well, I don't know if God can do that in my life. I'm all all messed up. You know, I'm in the middle of of being all messed up. Right here, right now, I, you know, I got high or or whatever. I'm in the middle of this scandal. But but I want you to know that, that God can do this. God can do this in your life. He who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. You are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. And he can make you strong. And so that's what Paul is saying. And I, and I pray that in looking at this right here, that we would have that understanding that God wants all of us as far as individuals go. But then in closing, um, I, I want to encourage you guys to know that God wants all of us here in, in the church. Notice again there in verse uh, 25, Brethren, pray for us. I love the fact that Paul's not ashamed to ask for prayer. Let me tell you something. If there's ever if there's ever a good pastor, it's only because he has a good congregation. That are praying for him. I've seen it over the years. And it kind of works both ways. And then he's willing to to love them and teach them the word. And then they 
And then they grow and they serve and they pray. But no one's going to make it unless we're praying for each other. But look what he says there in verse 26. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. And uh, I know some of you guys are really excited about this right now. You're like, yeah, yeah. I get to kiss. I get to kiss my fellow believers, right? <laughs> no, it's in the, and then you guys know how it is, and you probably seen it on TV. The culture, right? Sometimes, literally, it's crazy. Sometimes they kiss on the lips. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Sometimes they kiss on the cheeks, or they just do cheek to cheek. Believe it or not, there are some cultures that do nose, nose to nose. I remember when my wife and I first got together, we used to give each other Eskimo kisses like that, right? Some cultures actually do that, right? But, um, you know, for this culture right here, it was a holy kiss. And, and here's the thing. Paul is telling them to say hi to them, you know, on his behalf. But he's also telling the congregation, say hi to each other in a warm, cordial, friendly manner. You know, for us here, most of the time, you know, we give each other a hug, huh? But you got to make sure you do a holy hug. Okay, some of the guys are like, come on, come on, let me give you a hug. And they're like, you know, they squeeze the girl front and center. And you know what? You can't do that here, okay? <laughs> guys, um, it's got to be holy. And I would encourage you more along the lines of a, of a side hug. And there are even some people who don't feel comfortable with that at all. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to hug and there's a time not to hug. So, you know, the Lord will show you on that. But the, the main thing is this. Here's the thing, okay? You, so you see so-and-so that you don't really want to see at church. And you're like, I ain't saying hi to them. You know, I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> and God is saying, I don't want any of that. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. And you're like, well, they don't like me. I don't want to say hi to them. I don't want to be all friendly to them, give them a big hug, because they don't like me. And you never know. They might not like you. They might not like you. That's okay, but they got to love you, right? And this is what I've learned over the years, and it's just the funny way that we are. A lot of times you think they don't like you, and the only reason they don't like you is because they think you don't like them. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) And all I know is that when you begin to give them a big, you know, for us guys, you know, it's a good, firm handshake looking in the eyes. And I just want you to know, all you guys here, that I'm so blessed to see you here. Oh, what a joy it is that you're here. And, you, you know, as a church, we begin to do that. That's what Paul is saying right there. You greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. And, and then you, you, you read the word to all the people. Look at verse 27. I charge you. By the Lord, that this epistle be read to some, no, not to all the holy brethren. There was a time when the Catholic Church said, no, you know what, you guys, you can't read the Bible. You're just laymen. You can't study the Bible. And over the years, there have been people like that. But in the book of Acts chapter 17, um, when Paul went to go preach in Berea, all of them were ready to, they were able to search the scriptures to find out whether the things were so, what Paul was preaching. So, You know, all of us here should be in the Word. And as we're going to church, we should be reading through the Bible and teaching it and growing. Because um, here's the thing, that as you you study the Bible, you won't be fooled by anyone because you'll have the truth. The whole world is spinning on lies. So how can you tell what's true and what's not? 
by understanding the word. And so, you know, he's telling the, the, the guys there in Thessalonica, I charge you before the Lord, by the Lord. Again, this is a, a heavy, heavy charge that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. And then he closes with just a wonderful principle for all of us in the church. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. And that's just a great way to end the letter. And if you guys know, in the book of uh, Revelation, the last verse of the Bible also ends with grace. And that's something that I pray uh, that we would extend to each other and that we would be strong in. You know, one of the difficulties is that... um, If I'm preaching grace and I'm sharing grace, sometimes people, you know, they think, well, he's too soft on sin. And somehow, though, we got to strike a balance. I got to be able to share with you guys the forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. The forgiveness, you know, that no matter what you've done, that, you know, Jesus can forgive you that he died on the cross for you. And, you know, if you're not a Christian, man, you come to the Lord and he will wipe away your sins no matter what you've done. But even as a Christian, a lot of times what ends up happening, what holds us back is is condemnation because we've blown it. You know, and maybe some of you here today, I would venture to say, these are the statistics, some of you husbands and wives, you had, you know, you had some holy headlock this morning before you came to church. And you're fighting on the way to, you're fighting on the way. And then when you got out of your car, you got a big smile on your face, right? (laughs) And I'm not saying any of that lightly, man. I pray you would hate sin. You know, because whatever we sow, we also reap. But I also pray you would know the grace that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That grace that will change us. That grace that will make us men of God and, and women of God. That grace that we have in the Lord. And, and, and all of us here, you know, uh, we all need it. Now, there are some of you here who think you have it all together. Okay? So let me just say this to you. You're the worst. Okay? <laughs> so let's just settle it now because this bottom line is nobody does, right? Nobody does. And if there is anything good in us, who is it? It's Jesus. It's not you. It's not me. So on the way uh, in today, and I'll close with this. Well, I'll close with two more things. Um. Three. No, I'm just joking. You guys are so cool. You guys show me a lot of grace. Um, I was listening to a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman, and uh, it's called Miracle of Mercy. And uh, I was listening to it, and uh, I was I was crying. And my son, he's all, Dad, Dad, you've heard that song for 20 years. <laughs> And it still makes you cry. I said, more than ever. It seems like the more I've grown in the Lord, the more I realize what a wretched man I am apart from him. And the song goes like this. It says, if the truth was known and the light was shown and every hidden part of my soul, most would turn away, shake their head and say, He still has a long way to go. If the truth was known, you'd see that the only good in me 
is Jesus. It's Jesus. If the walls could speak of the times I've been weak, when everybody thought I was strong, could I show my face if it weren't for the grace of the one who's known the truth all along? If the walls could speak, they'd say that my only hope is the grace, the grace of Jesus. And then he goes on, he says, Oh, but the goodness and the grace in him, he takes it all and makes it mine and causes his light in me to shine. And he loves me with a love that never ends. Just as I am, not as I do. Could it be real? Could it be true? He goes on to say, this is a miracle. It's a miracle of mercy. And that's what we've experienced in life. And there are so many people out there that are getting beat up by the devil. There's Christians that are being condemned by the devil. And they need to understand the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you guys would go out and share that. You would live that. Yesterday when we went to that uh, fireman's graduation, the Lord really spoke to me because they, they did some demonstrations. And one of them, there was a building that they had to put out the fire. And the other one was a, uh, a structure or a car that they had to put out the fire. And, you know, the ultimate thing is that for a firefighter, you know, he saves lives, right? You know, and the Lord just really showed me. He just said, man, that's what, that's what we want to do too, Amen. We want to go in and pull people out of the fire. But while we're doing it, we got to make sure that we ourselves don't die. And so there's a beautiful balance there we have between grace and holiness. And I pray, you guys, that as healthy Christians, we would walk with that biblical equilibrium that allows us to do that, man. May God work in us so that we give all of ourselves to him. And may, may the whole congregation, all of us here, may we greet one another, may we love one another, may we, you know, just, man, fall in love with the Lord and His Word. And you know what? I think, I, I believe, I'm confident, like Paul said, that He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. God's going to work. I really believe that. So let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for allowing us another day of life, Lord, and just really want to thank you for everyone here and the work you're doing. Um, God, I pray we would hate sin, but I pray we would love you. I pray we would know the forgiveness is found in Jesus Christ. And I just thank you that we get to share your word. And as Paul closes a letter, the last word to the Thessalonians was that word of grace. And so I pray, Lord, that today your grace will fall on us. It really is amazing. God's reward at Christ's expense, that unmerited favor. And Lord, I just pray if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you or maybe they've drifted away, that today would be the day they come to you, Lord. They give you their life and they would return to you. And just with every eye closed and every head bowed, and if you guys could just really pray. If you're here today and you're not a Christian and you, you want to be a Christian, you want to give your life to Christ, or, or maybe you know, and I'm, I'm talking about like seriously, where you've kind of fallen away but you want to come to the Lord and rededicate your life to Him. Give your all to Him. What I want you to do is I just want you to raise your hand. Thank you, Lord, for that hand that got up. Thank you, Lord, so much. Thank you, Lord. People that want to give their hearts to Christ, all to Christ. 
anyone else. The Lord is here, man, to write your name in the book of life. The Lord is here to forgive you your sins so that if you die today, even today, you would know you're going to heaven because no one has tomorrow guaranteed. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Anyone else? Lord, I thank you for the hands that went up. Lord, what a blessing, Lord. I pray you do a new work in their hearts, Lord, as they've, Lord, I believe, by faith, raise their hands and exercise, Lord, their confidence and their trust in you, Jesus, and in the cross. Lord, may you bless your people now as we sing, as we close this service, Lord. Be glorified. Fill our hearts. Lord, flood our hearts with joy. We love you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you.